Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. I'm your host, Jaden Smith, and so excited to welcome Alden Mills to the show today. Alden, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, for those who don't know you, we always start with a bit of a softball. Uh, could you share with us, uh, who are you? Well, first of all, Jaden, it's great to be here. I love what this podcast does. And the whole tips for team building, I guess you could just say, that's what who I am. Well, you see, I'm really a servant at heart who has learned to serve in lots of different environments, from serving as a team captain and rowing, at the Naval Academy, to being a three-time Navy SEAL platoon commander, to being involved in multiple charity community action groups, and starting several businesses as a CEO. And of course, my most important servant is as a father of four highly energetic boys. (laughs) Uh, So at the end of the day, you know, I'm multifaceted, have done lots of different things, but I really bring it back to... A, a mission on serving. I love that. And so Alden, what, um, you know, you mentioned having four, four boys, very high energy. And, uh, you know, obviously you've been very busy as a CEO, entrepreneur, um, and as a leader uh, uh, in, you know, various organizations. And I think that we have a lot of leaders in, um, you know, in the audience who have maybe, struggled or maybe they do struggle or have just had to be like very intentional, um, you know, balancing kind of the, the work and the family. Uh, what type of advice do you have for, uh, for the audience around, you know, finding time, um, for all those different hats you wear? Well, let me first offer a little bit of condolences to every leader out there who is struggling if you're not struggling, I'd be worried about you, right? First of all, we're all human. We are imperfect and we are built to be imperfect. We need each other. And when it comes to the fine art of not balancing, but blending the personal world and the professional world, it is a trial by error. It is something we don't get right. Because there are times where we will have to go all in on the professional. And then there'll be times where we need to back off and go on the personal side. The best piece of advice I can offer any of the leaders out there is to first understand this is a journey. You're going to make all kinds of mistakes. But one of the most important things I want you to work on is your power of focus of being present wherever you are. There is nothing more frustrating for a partner in a family if you're home, but your still brain is at work. Be present where you are and also be mindful of the fact that one of your single most precious resources is time. And especially if you're dealing with little children, you never get that time back. So be mindful of that. I love that. I love that. And um, you, you kind of hit on, you know, through a leadership journey, there's going to be uh, 
some failures along the way, and we'll we'll hit on failures a little bit uh, Not some, later. Jaden. Not some. <laughs> There's lots. Let's just fail forward together. Let's get really comfortable with that, right? I I literally think of this, and this may sound a little uh, archaic, but it's the difference between a machine gunner and a sniper. A sniper spends all this time setting up his or her shot for the perfect shot right? And then they finally take the shot after hours and hours and hours and they miss. And the shot is so far away. And if your spotter isn't right on that jet stream trail, the vapor trail of the bullet, and you don't see the backdrop, you have no idea where you missed the shot. A machine gunner knows they're going to miss the shot. So they shoot in front of the target and then they walk the bullets in on target. That's what leaders do. Leaders know, hey, I'm not going to get it perfect, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying and trying to reduce the failure box little by little by little. And then when I get on the target, no, the target's going to keep moving. So I've got to keep moving with it. Yeah. Uh, I've been on that, but I really want to drive home the point. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable about failing. I love that. And I love that, that analogy, um, as well. And just, you know, that, that philosophy of, of accepting the failure, being comfortable with it. And, you know, rather than trying to avoid failure, embrace failure, but every time get better at failing and take a lesson, you know, away from it. Yeah. And you know, this may sound trite, but it's not failing if you've learned something from it. Now, if you're, if you're failing by doing the same thing over and over and over again, okay, then we need to break that broken loop. But if we've tried something and it didn't work out, well, then we've learned a different way that it doesn't work. Right. Right? That's not a failure. That's a lesson learned. And a lesson learned that we can implement that makes us better. And if we have lesson learned every day, and imagine if we just got a little bit better every day. Just a little bit, itty bitty little bit, like less than 1%. Imagine what that would be like with compound interest. It's insane, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, so Alden, you've obviously been super, um, you know, successful in, in your career and you kind of shared some of the various titles that you've held as, you know, a a CEO, an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, a leader uh, within the Navy SEALs, uh, now you know a, a sought-after speaker as well. Can you share with us a little bit more about kind of your leadership journey and how you've gotten into the position that you're in today? Every leadership journey, and, and when I've made the mistake, you learn from it pretty quickly, I have really been seeking to find a passion and a purpose. I think of it like two oars on a boat. And when you're in a boat by yourself, your own little boat, your own leadership boat, you have a port oar and a starboard oar. If you have both of those, then we have the opportunity to pull together our both and go forward. One oar is purpose. The other oar is passion. I don't care which one comes first. You'll hear lots of people saying, we got to have a purpose. Mm, you got to be, you got to have passion too. And if you have a passion and find a purpose in it, great. If you have a purpose, 
and then you find a passion in it, terrific. But you need both. If you have only one, well, you'll start going in circles, right? And at an early age, I ended up getting recruited to row at the Naval Academy. And that was my great first leadership experience, being an elected leader of the rowing program there. And that then dovetailed to SEAL Team. SEAL Team then gave me the confidence to start my own business. Uh, failed lots of times in business. And each, each business that I started led to another business that I was even more passionate about. And the business that I'm in today is about leadership development. And I have really think of me as a, an amalgam of different leadership experiences that now have got me to a point that I find great joy, passion, and purpose in helping people do more than they originally thought possible and helping them be unstoppable, helping them make the choice to be unstoppable. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, the the books that you've written thus far, Alden, uh, within the Unstoppable series, have two so far unstoppable teams and be unstoppable with a third on the way uh, with unstoppable mindset. Could you give us kind of an overview of the first two books as well as a preview of what's to come in the third? Yes. Be unstoppable. And I think it's, I think it's just a, it's a little bit of poetry here. Took me 10 years to write. It started in 2002 when a dear friend of mine became the first Navy SEAL to die in Afghanistan. And when you go off and do missions, you have to write a just-in-case letter. Should you pay the ultimate sacrifice, they want a flag and a letter to hand to the next of kin. When I did my missions, my next of kin was my brother, my mom, and my dad. They would have gotten my just-in-case letters. But when my buddy Neil Roberts died, I knew an 18-month-old son was going to get that letter. And at the same time, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and it made me wonder what Neil had written. So I started on the process of writing a Justin Case letter. And that first one was to Henry in 2003, and it was not a good letter. It was, do this, don't do that. I made some comical things like, don't pee in a fan, you know? And, and then I would throw some pithy ideas in between there. And then Charlie came along in 2005 and I kept writing and then came John and then came William. And by the end of it, the book turned into a parable about a seaside town with a young leader who was given a boat to learn to navigate for the rest of his life. And I used the metaphor of a ship's captain in their own boat. That first book was the one about helping people understanding how to persist because that's where success is. So Be Unstoppable launched in 2013 and has now gone through several revisions, been translated into multiple languages. Um, I read the Audible version of the book and it's become a really popular book about the simplicity but the difficulty of getting up and keep trying. And it's really designed for a parent to a child or for an executive to a mentor. The second book came out in 2013, Unstoppable Teams, Four Essential Actions of High-Performance Leadership. 
And it's a much more business related book. There is a parable inside, but it's not the entire book. And that book is all about how not just to lead yourself, but the essence of leading teams. And the meat of the book is really around this quotation. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Teddy Roosevelt, about 100 years ago. Leading is about caring. And caring is about serving. So I've turned the acronym CARE. I've made an acronym out of CARE. And talk about the different key components to learning how to care. And the future book is called Unstoppable Mindset. And that's really focused on all the different things we can control to help us be successful in whatever direction we decide to go. I love that. And uh, definitely, I uh, will admit those uh, have not you know, made it to my bookshelf yet, but they are now in my Amazon cart. <laughs> so we'll be, uh, we'll be adding those, listening to those, reading those, and definitely just hearing the, um, you know, the overview and had done, you know, some research prior to our conversation, Alden, um, you know, definitely sound like engaging, engaging books about leadership um, without like, while having kind of the, the parable and having, you know, different pieces and components in there that make it engaging uh, versus just your standard like textbook. That's <laughs> right. So yeah. uh, absolutely love that and, and look forward to to reading those. So thank you for sharing. Um, one of the things that you you talked about in Unstoppable uh, Teams is that Teddy Roosevelt quote and, you know, being able to show folks that you do care. Um, so would love to hear more about your philosophy or approach as to how how you build relationships as a leader. I get deeply curious about the individual, first and foremost. The second piece of the curiosity is learning how to communicate with them. And the learning how to communicate with them means listening to understand. You know, I've built out different acronyms over the years to help me remember and especially when I'm out coaching other executives or speaking to other uh, organizations. And one of them is called listen. <clears throat> and it's uh, six actions, of what I call high performance listening. And I've really worked on my listening skills. You see, there's three ways to listen. We can listen to win. We know what that's like, right? People looking for just enough information so they can spin it to use it against that person to say, see, I'm smarter than you. It's my way, not your way. There's listen to fix, not looking for any context, just come on, let's get the answer and move on, not worrying about the long-term effects. And then there's listening to understand. And if you add curiosity with listening to understand, the first thing you get to do is really get a sense of who that person is and what they may or may not be interested in and what and how they may or may not respond to different things. And then once you've done that, it's about being consistent. When people in the beginning are looking at us, like you and me, the first 10 seconds that we met, you're looking at me, 
I'm looking at you and I'm trying to decide, can I trust this person? What's interesting about this person, right? We show up with a judgment, right or wrong, but it's a judgment. And really good listeners suspend their judgment. That's the S of listen, by the way. It's a really hard thing to do. To suspend the judgment and let's just listen and assume what they're saying is correct. And when you can get there, you can start to bring some empathy to whatever the conversation is. Add in that consistency, and now you'll start to not just develop a relationship, but you'll de develop the glue that all relationships need, and that's trust. Love that. I love that. So earlier, Alden, when you were talking about the, um, you know, we, we talked about kind of the balancing or the blending of, you know, the personal and professional life. And, you know, oftentimes you, you hear like a couple different approaches on leadership and building relationships with, you know, teammates, colleagues, et cetera. Um, and, and like two different approaches of like, you know, work is work, you know, personal and personal and like kind of this great wall of China in between the two, or you see where it's, you know, uh, and this is kind of the philosophy that, that I tend to sway more towards is that realistically there's a chain link fence and there is a barrier. Uh, but a lot of things, you know, flow between the two uh, yeah. when the wind starts blowing. Right. Uh, when, when thinking about your kind of a, a approach to building relationships, um, how do you draw that line between personal and professional, um, you know, lives and, uh, or is that a concern of yours uh, when, when looking to really, you know, understand the, the people that you're working with? I like your idea of the chain link fence, by the way. That's a, that's a nice metaphor, Jaden. I think it's invaluable to make sure you understand the personal side of every person you're working with. If you don't, you are missing a huge opportunity of getting to know what really is passionate and purposeful about each of the folks you work with. And I'm talking about knowing their children, knowing if they have a hardship at home, like they're caregiving for someone in the family that has Alzheimer's, or perhaps it's a COVID-related scenario, or perhaps it's multi-generational living under a roof, perhaps it's a single mom, perhaps it's a divorcee. Knowing what they are leaving your door from and then walking in the next day, you want to be aware of those pieces because they'll probably, you know, the waking hours of their day, let's just say it's a 50-50 split. It's not going to be accurate, but just go with me on a 50-50. 50% of the time, they're outside of work. Today's employees, I highly encourage you to think of as volunteers. They have opportunities to go different places. And they have, they have decisions that they can make. And if you're not creating an environment that's a family feeling environment to them, where the culture is about caring for each other, where the culture is about having each other's back. How can you have somebody's back if you don't know their personal side? Now, I'm not asking for you to go out and 
play golf and go to all their kids' games and all of those pieces. We don't have enough time in the day to do that. But um, but you could certainly celebrate it in the office when something great happens in their family or rally around them when they need that. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. I love that. I love that. And, um, you know, really love kind of the thought of um, employees as volunteers, because I think that, you know, some some folks are, you know, um, or some organizations are kind of in that mindset of, well, like they owe us. This is a great job, like you know, and not really investing in the, in the culture and the development and, you know, kind of that feel. And I think that I think that post COVID, you know, one of like, I think you've just seen, and I think it's been kind of brewing up until that point, but especially as COVID hit, you saw this drastic turn where now the employees are in charge, you know, from like a a market perspective. Um, And you're seeing kind of the, the companies who, who place value in, in culture and understanding and, um, you know, um, engagement. Uh, those are the companies who are going to bounce back. And the ones who didn't are the companies who, you know, are having to lay people off or having to go under, you know, go under or file bankruptcy or whatever it may be. Um, You know, those are the companies that are really struggling right now. Correct. You're absolutely correct. Uh, There's lots of examples of people who have grown during COVID. And I guarantee you, those that have grown, They've grown because they already knew who they were and what their core values are. And they looked at this as an opportunity to strengthen their core values, their mission, their vision. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so Alden, I'm sure that this, this philosophy around relationship building is a, is a skill that's been built over time. Um, and, and, you know, realistically, people as people, uh, some people are very open to building relationships and other people are very closed off. Um, yeah. Can you can you share with us a time where you've struggled to build a relationship with a key stakeholder and how you were able to overcome that? I have struggled many times building relationships. Uh, I can give you examples, whether it's in a charity group, whether it's in a community action group. I can give you examples inside the different businesses that I've created. And typically the reason I've struggled is that someone's made a judgment about me before they've ever met me. Someone who could have served in the Peace Corps while I was a Navy SEAL and thinks of me as nothing more than an assassin, right? Oh, all that person knows is how to shoot guns and kill people and destroy. And I I don't want it that person in my life. That can be a hard barrier to get over. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, how could anyone not want to be a friend with a Navy SEAL? Huh? There's a lot of people out there. (laughs) Right. There could be a lot of people out there like, 
oh, he invented the perfect push-up and he did this and he did that. I There's nothing we have in common. I'm an engineer and I, I don't like people who are big extroverted people like that. And, you know, all he does is talk, talk, talk. Right? They made a judgment. It's their judgment. There's nothing I can do about their judgment. I can't get them to suspend their judgment, but I can control my narrative to them. And if I'm consistent and keep the care flywheel flowing in their direction, consistently showing that, hey, I'm looking out for you. I know you may not like me. That's okay. That's not the job we're here to do, but I'm going to honor you every time you do something great. Or I'm going to help you and make sure that you still succeed. I don't want you to fail. And in any one of those scenarios, it is always consistency of showing how much you care wins the day. I love that. I think that that, I mean, that's just such a powerful message because I think, you know, going back to, um, you know, the idea of, persistency and you know consistency and kind of intertwining them is that it's super easy you know let's say in in business uh you know you you keep you keep trying keep trying keep trying on a certain uh project or metric or whatever you're trying to hit and you're and you're not hitting it and it's easy to you know feel that need potentially to like give up and try something new um and in the same way with relationships it feels like if you you know, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you know, it's easy to just be like, ah, well, this is going nowhere. Uh, right. But just, just, you know, controlling what you can control, controlling your mindset, being consistent, being persistent. And and many times those, those will shift. They just might take more time than, than other relationships. Um, but when you're consistent in it, I, I think that's just such a powerful message to, to share because it's so easy to get discouraged when, you know, uh, uh, Sally doesn't like you as much as Bobby does. <laughs> and you've been trying with Sally so hard to, to build that rapport. It is not leading is not about being in a likability contest, right? At the end of the day, leading is about helping people come together to do something collectively that we couldn't otherwise do by ourselves. That's the whole point of leading in the first place. If we could all be Superman or Superwoman or Wonder Woman and do everything by ourselves, well, then we wouldn't need leaders, would we? (laughs) But the fact of the matter is we are flawed. We need each other. You have genius, Jaden, that I don't have. And I've got a couple of things that you don't have. But together, one plus one, we could be three or four or five. And as long as the leader keeps that in perspective of like, okay, that one's going to take, that's going to be my long-term project of just being comfortable being around each other. That's fine if you don't like me, but I want to make sure you're participating in this team and being helpful to the team. If the person's personality is not congruent with helping the overall team dynamics, then we have a different issue. Right now we're into the one bad apple can spoil the bunch type of metaphor. And that will not be accepted. But if somebody's an introvert, doesn't like the military, doesn't if fearful of someone that's a loud speaking, energetic person, 
no problem. We can tone that piece down. But what we can't do is accept subpar performance that is a known quantity for the entire team. Yeah, absolutely. And when kind of thinking through through leadership and, you know, we touched on, you know, some of the books in the, the Unstoppable series and you, um, you know, have kind of highlighted this point of unstoppable, uh, unstoppable leadership. So wondering if you could share a little bit more about the, the three levels of unstoppable leadership. For all the listeners out there, I'd like you to think of this beautiful little pond, crystal clear water. It's dead calm, just glass on top. And we drop a little pebble into the pond. That pebble, once it hits the water, the water immediately ripples out. A series of ripples. And in this case, let's think about the first three ripples, right? The very first one, the center ring, that is your influence of leading yourself. The pebble, those represent your actions. The second larger ring, greater influence, is your team leadership. You see, how you end up leading yourself directly correlates with how you lead a team. A team is nothing more than a reflection of its leader. And then the team actions and the consistency of these team actions that have taken over some period of time ripple out to the third largest ring, which has the greatest influence, and that's the culture. And culture is nothing more than the collection of team teams of teams actions. And I'm assuming in your organization, maybe you just have one team, but most of the time you probably have teams of teams. And that's the three levels of leadership. And when I talk about leading yourself, I'm really talking about how you lead your heart, your mind, and your gut. How you think, how you feel your heart, and then the desires that you have from your gut. Awesome, 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 and love that uh, analogy of the of the pebble and the pond. I think that it just uh, you know really kind of gives the visual uh, representation of the impact um, that that folks can have. You know, I guess just like how it all starts at the top, right? Um, and, and that's always just something to highlight of. You know, especially when you're in that executive, uh, you know, leadership position, it starts with you. Um, but I think it's also something to highlight that if you are in that mid-level and maybe maybe that, that person at the top, you know, that first ring, maybe that's not the best example and that's not what the culture needs to be. You being that second ring and having the ability to kind of impact those actions you know, may create a positive impact on, on that third ring. If you're looking to make a change, any type of change, always look within first. Emulate what the changes you seek. Be that change. Then help others embrace that change. Because the more you learn, 
the trials and tribulations that you're going through. And remember, we talked earlier about how to build connections. That has to do with transparency. It's okay to bring, hey, I've been struggling with this. I get it. The more you're comfortable with the struggle, the more people will lean in and say, oh, I can relate because I'm having a similar struggle. Or maybe they're having a different one and they feel comfortable enough to raise their hand. And now we can get a team coming together to look at dealing with that struggle. And when a couple of teams embrace that, now we're on the path to infecting a change throughout the organization that's going to be a positive influence for the culture. I love it. So Alden, you're, uh, you know, just wildly, wildly accomplished and, you know, in your career and in your life and what you've, you've done thus far, and I'm sure what you'll, you'll continue to do. Um, and uh, I'm sure that you've gotten to the spot just by, you know, being perfect, never making mistakes, you know, just following the, the, the clear road, et cetera. How, uh, how no, did you just... know that? <laughs> That's right. Captain Perfect right here. <laughs> and by the way, that wouldn't even get out of my mouth. My wife would come over and be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah. Obviously just kidding. You know, on our podcast, we really, you know, obviously by having such uh you know, accomplished uh, leaders on the podcast. It's it's easy for those who maybe not not at that level, you know, to kind of think that that like, hey, this person obviously has it all. There's no way I could get to that. So try and bring that like back down to earth by sharing about times that we've we've all failed along the way to encourage fit, uh, encourage the audience to embrace that failure, to help learn from it, to fail forward as we talked about earlier, and look at it as not being a failure when you do learn from it. So could you share with us maybe you know, the, the failure that most resonates or sticks with you or, or helped you kind of learn the greatest lesson and kind of what that lesson was that you were able to learn from it? We could spend a whole podcast, a couple of podcasts, <laughs> talking about lessons learned from my failures. First and foremost, I have failed way more than I've succeeded. Yes, you've seen or heard through Jaden or read about some of the successes I've had, they have come on the heels of spectacular failures. But I will trace most of my successes back to an early start of failing. And I was 12. I was diagnosed with asthma. And I was born, as the doctor pointed out, very clearly that I was born with smaller than average sized lungs and that I should lead a less active lifestyle and learn the game of chess. I was having a full pity party for myself. My mom actually sent me out of the office, made me sit in the lobby. She comes over to me in the offensive position after finishing talking to the doctor and that offensive position, her hands are on her hips, right? Leaning into me, kicks my foot. What's wrong with you? I'm like, mom, chess how am i going to learn chess i am terrible at checkers right and and mom said something and but she followed up with it with dad that has always stuck with me and of course first she had to dig her talons with these sharp fingernails that she had into my forearm and said nobody defines what you can or can't do but you now i'll get you the medicine but you have to decide what you can do 
okay, so where's the failure in that? Well, I decided I wanted to play basketball. I scored against my own team in basketball. So what if you scored? Go try another game. I tried lacrosse. I was a goalie. Real easy to score against yourself on that one. I was a defensive player. Four string. That was the only string they had for me. I skated that puck right into my goalie. Scored against that. I was a defensive player. Fullback. Four center. Because I was the biggest kid. Scored against my own team in soccer. Four different teams I scored against. But my parents keep trying. Keep trying. And I find a sport where I could sit on my butt and go backwards for long periods of time, pulling an oar. I could do that. I like that. The oar took me to the Naval Academy, took me to trying out and making the Olympic camp. I ended up then turning that down to go to SEAL team. And then go to SEAL team, where I almost failed out of that. But then I have these great platoons. And then I end up going into business. I had looked at bankruptcy three times within 30 days each time. And each time we figured out a way. So when you think about failures, they're only failures if they force you to give up. And even then, maybe you've decided, hey, this isn't the right thing for me anymore. But if you don't learn anything from it, and then it stops you, then it's a failure. But if you're learning from it and you pivot, make a different move, then it's not a failure. I love that. And that's so impactful to, you know, just kind of process through because um, it's so easy. I mean, as you talked about, you know, when you're leading yourself, you know, your your mind, your heart, and your gut, it's really easy to let your your heart get into it. Um, when you do fail and get so like discouraged, beat yourself up, et cetera. Um, so kind of that, that way to redirect that thought, um, and to look at the positives of it. Um, Alden, you've just shared so much great wisdom, uh, with our audience today. Is there any other advice or wisdom that you'd like to impart on the audience before we wrap up here? I want to remind everybody we're built to be unstoppable. I want them to know that unstoppable is a choice. Every single person has the ability. You have the talent. But you have to understand there's very few things we can control. We can control how we think. We can control how we feel. And if you are blessed with working arms and legs, then you can control your body movements. Even if you don't have arms and legs, you can still control your thoughts. And when you get to that and realize that that's enough, then the next thing you have to be thinking about is where do I want to take my own vessel, right? Going back to the ship's metaphor. And that's where you've got to define that passion, put a purpose to it, and set sail across that horizon to your next goal. And no, it's not going to happen overnight. The path to be unstoppable is paved with daily action towards your goal. Such a powerful message to to close out with. Alden, if, if folks in the audience were inspired by what you shared and want to learn more about, about you, 
um, what you're doing, um, your books, your speaking engagements, et cetera. How can, how can people reach you? Oh, they can reach me through my website, alden-mills.com. Awesome. 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 And we will include that in the show notes. Um, so that way it's easy to access. Alden just wants to say thank you so much again for being a guest on the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along on their leadership journeys. Uh, really enjoyed the opportunity to connect with you and look forward to seeing how the wisdom shared um, on today's episode really inspires others in the audience. Jaden, thank you. Keep inspiring and propelling people to be better. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.